and gentlemen, let's go. Let's go. We ain't got no time to waste. Let's go. Let's go. You are now listening to Jason Anderson, and you are in the the Zone is presented by Guaranteed Foods, delivering all natural food to Midwestern families since 1958. Enjoy healthier food, more free time, free delivery, and better value. Go to GuaranteedFoods.com. I'm in a Friday edition of The Zone right here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Jason Anderson with you, Dylan Michaels. We head up until 2 o'clock. The next four hours, we've got you. Number of things to get into today. We will talk with Matt Derrick coming up an hour from now. Chiefs Digest 41 is the Mike podcast. We'll get his thoughts on uh, some Chiefs football, some combine. He was there in Indianapolis for a couple of days. Workouts going on today, yesterday, today, and on into the weekend with uh, interviews and the media sessions going on with uh, defensive backs, tight ends, wide receivers talking today, and uh, on into the weekend with quarterbacks, etc. Uh, so we will talk a little combine with Matt Derrick. We'll talk some free agency with Matt Derrick. Team roster construction, the NFL draft, draft season, all of that with Matt Derrick coming up at uh, 11 o'clock. Chiefs Digest, 41 is the mic. Ari Temkin will be our guest coming up at noon. Sirius XM Radio, Big 12 Sports. And uh, we'll get his thoughts on some obvious things when it comes to uh, the Big 12. That's what we'll talk with him about. Uh, the college football playoff, which impacts the Big 12, but is overall in college football. We'll talk with him about what the latest is with the growing support and momentum towards a 14-team playoff. Uh, so we'll talk about that with Ari Timken. Mick Schaefer will join us for the third day in a row. Typically, you got to pay extra for that. Um, we are getting him for free, I think. Third day in a row for Mick Schaefer. He'll join us about 1230 or so. And we'll hang out with Mick towards the uh, till the end of the show. And we'll get cuts before the show is over as well. 913-912-4810 is the text line. 913-912-4810. The text line to join us, Dylan. You missed Josh at all yet? I mean, not really for me. So yeah, I yeah. Don't know. yeah. I feel like it's just fine. Like we're just gonna move on without him. I don't even remember there being anybody else a part of the show. As far as I remember, when I moved back here in 2019, it was just me and you. That's that's how I will remember it forever. Yeah, same. It's it's kind of yeah. the same. Out of sight, out of mind. That's how I've approached everything in my life. Exactly. Um, if I ignore it, it didn't yeah. happen. Or, yeah, you know, I've I don't never have to deal with the failings of it. You know, exactly. I've never even moved before. I'm just <laughs> it's out of sight, out of mind. It's whatever happened in the past. It's Rafiki. Hit you in the head. It's in the past. Doesn't matter. Let's move forward. There's Nate Bukati. It's his birthday today. I didn't get a chance to tell him happy birthday today. Yeah, me neither. Happy birthday. And I didn't get a chance to sign his card either. So oh, I did do that. No. Oh, see, there you go. They did. <laughs> I heard. There was a card that was uh, going around for Nate, and uh, I heard about that. And as I see him walking down the hall, he's reading said card. So, Nate, I'll tell you, on the air, I think it's more genuine that way. Right. You know, not going to be like some of these people that just write in the card and tell you happy birthday and then ignore you forever. That's not what I'm going to do. Although you're not around anymore, so now I forgot all about you. Continuing with that theme. 913-912-4810 is the text line to join us. Okay, so NFL scouting combine going on. We'll talk some uh, college football and or college basketball as well. This is a big weekend moving forward for the local teams in college basketball just sort of to set the table. A big one tomorrow at noon for KU heading to Baylor. And can they right the ship? Can they show that they are more than just Kevin McCuller on the floor? Can they go and win some big games against a tough opponent? I'll be honest, I don't know that they would have won the game if Kevin McCuller was even playing. It's a tough 
game for Kansas. They'd have a better shot of uh, winning that game if McCuller was out there. Uh, but they get a chance to go out there and prove to those that are questioning and skeptical of whether or not they can do it without McCuller on the on the uh, court if Hunter Dickinson can step up, uh, Juan, if uh, K.J. Adams, Furphy, guys like that. And who can step up in the absence of Kevin McCuller? That's certainly a big one for Kansas moving forward. And even bigger, really, to me, the final three games, this final week of basketball for Kansas State. Because they have three quad one wins available. Four games left, at minimum, for Kansas State. Most of, in fact, every of the... um, uh, the uh, the bracketologists that are out there, and I'm going to pull up bracket matrix here, uh, just real quick, uh, just to to check today's with uh, with Kansas State and um, Kansas State not listed on any of the 109 brackets that bracket uh, matrix uses, and they continue to update every day. Um, Kansas State not included in any of those, including like Syracuse shows up in two, Pitt shows up in two, Drake shows up in a few, Butler in a few, Ole Miss in 11, et cetera, and on into the teams that got the most. Like Gonzaga uh, in the West Coast Conference is the team that is the last at-large bid of the bracket matrix when they put all of these things together. And then obviously the most uh, brackets you're in, uh, then it sort of um, averages out. Uh, so, you know, Gonzaga being 11th seed and in the uh, in the NCAA tournament. Kansas State has a huge opportunity in front of them. Can they take advantage of said opportunity? Beating BYU in West Virginia after the loss to Texas and really the, the, the three-game losing streak since, the loss, or the, since they beat Kansas. Losing to BYU, losing to TCU at home, and that was a rough one. Losing to Texas on the road. And then taking care of BYU, taking care of West Virginia. West Virginia was closer than it should have been, uh, but they got the win. That was a disaster if they would have lost that game. And now they've set themselves up with the next three games. Can Kansas State go 2-1? and one? Can they go 3-2 and two the rest of the way before Selection Sunday on what would be March 17th, right? Yeah, Selection Sunday is March 17th because the college basketball season ends on March 9th. Then March 10th would be setting all the college uh, you know, conference tournaments up, and a week from that would be uh, Selection Sunday. So on March 17th, Kansas State has four games left. But if they can win two of these three, even if, heck, if they win all three, but if they win two of these three, can they go two and one and then one and one here in Kansas City? I think, and we'll see if there are bid thieves out there, I think that will be good enough to get them in the tournament. They have opportunities in front of them that not many schools have. Can they take advantage of that? This is a really crucial stretch for the Wildcats. It starts tomorrow in Cincinnati at 6 o'clock, and then on Tuesday in Allen Fieldhouse with a more winnable game without Kevin McCuller. But it's also a revenge game for KU, and it's in Allen Fieldhouse. Not that that is a place that nobody can go and win since we just saw BYU do it earlier this week. It's a big one tomorrow because beating Cincinnati sets you up to just go one and one the last you know, week because you get Iowa State at home. A week from tomorrow, one o'clock, and then we'll see where you are 
in the uh, Big 12 tournament. But tomorrow is crucial. It's a quad one opportunity because it's the top 50 team and it's on the road. And they are stacking quad one wins. K-State is. They have a number of quad one wins that other teams don't. They have three quad one wins. And if you're looking at some of the teams that are in the tournament, according to Bracket Matrix, or close to being in the tournament, Utah has three. Gonzaga has one. Providence has five. Um, A&M has five. Wake Forest has two. Villanova has three. And these are teams that are right on the bubble around Kansas State. They've got three right now. Can they get to five? If they get to five, I think it really puts them in position to... Because it'll, it'll increase the net rating because they're sitting at, you know, around the 70s right now. it increase the net rating for them, et cetera, and builds on itself. But puts them in position to have a real case and an argument that they belong. And one thing we've seen from the tournament committee, they like to look at who you beat. Who have you beaten this year? And if Kansas State is sitting there with their resume and they're on the line and they go, well, is it them or is it Villanova? Well, they beat Villanova. Okay. They've also, you know, knocked off Baylor. They beat Kansas. They beat BYU. Can they add a win against Iowa State or another win against Kansas? Can they go on the road and beat Cincinnati? These are the thing, and, and can they win a game then in the in the Big Twelve tournament? Win two games in the Big Twelve tournament? Go, I mean. If you were to go four and two the rest of the way, then I definitely think you're in. Um, but it starts tomorrow with that game at Cincinnati and uh, and winning that one. Lose that one, and you're really in crunch time for you to figure out a way to get in the tournament without having to come to Kansas City and say you got to win all the games. You got to be playing on Saturday night and win that game on Saturday night. March 16th, you got to be playing and winning. Win tomorrow, and it puts you in position to steal, or just win, you don't have to call it steal, win one of the final two games of the season at Kansas and at home against Iowa State. Again, all quad one opportunities for Kansas State. That's the big one. Missouri's trying to get a win. is trying to figure it out without Kevin McCuller. That's on the line the last week of college basketball. Three games remaining for the local schools before we get into the Big 12 and the SEC tournament. We'll talk with Ari Timken about some of those things and more, uh, but tomorrow is so crucial, 6 o'clock for Kansas State. At 8 o'clock, we'll know a whole lot more about this K-State Wildcat team tomorrow night. Let's talk some uh, NFL football here. As the Combine continues to go on, so do reports out of the Combine that continue to go on. Nate Taylor, Diana Rossini at The Athletic, they have their report that came out yesterday afternoon slash last night about Chris Jones, certainly about Legereus Sneed as well, but about Chris Jones and the, quote, growing optimism that's there, according to league sources, that something is going to get done between Chris Jones and the Kansas City Chiefs. That sounds great on the surface, because I want them to get something done with Chris Jones. 
I think the most likely scenario at this point, if I am placing money down on the table or on my DraftKings account, if I am placing money, the most likely scenario I would go with is the Chiefs signing Chris Jones and trading LeJarrius Sneed. I think that is the most likely scenario, especially if they can get a second-round pick for LeJarrius Sneed, which seems to be the asking price. We'll get into that in just a second. But Nate Taylor, Diana Rossini, they write, The race to retain Jones began this week. Chiefs hope to do just that before 11 a.m. Central Time on March 11th when agents of unrestricted free agents can enter contract negotiations with any interested team. Chiefs GM Brett Veach acknowledged Tuesday resigning Jones as the team's pop, uh, top priority. By Thursday afternoon, when several members of the organization flew home to Kansas City, there was, quote, growing optimism, according to league sources, that the Chiefs will agree to a new contract with Jones before free agency. They write, Chiefs expected to place the franchise tag on Legereus Sneed before the deadline coming up on Tuesday, 3 o'clock Central Time. The Chiefs could tag and trade Sneed. They go and talk about what they did with D Ford in 2019. They franchise tag D Ford, allowed him to go out and seek a trade, and then they traded him for a second round pick. A nugget on Legeria Sneed. Since Tuesday, six teams have shown interest in acquiring Sneed, according to a league source. So there are at least six teams that look at Legeria Sneed and say, let's kick the tires. We're not completely out. Let's kick the tires. What is he asking for? What would be a reasonable return? For Legereus need. Okay. They write about the Chiefs creating more salary cap space with Patrick Mahomes and his contract and, uh, you know, converting the roster bonus to signing bonus. They also talk about Joe Tooney's contract. I don't want him to touch Joe Tooney's contract at all. I'd like him to be able to move on from Joe Tooney um, sooner rather than later instead of spending 20 something million dollars in a franchise or a, a, a salary cap hit for a left guard, unless you're going to move him out to left tackle. They write that Chris Jones and the uh, the Kansas City Chiefs in what was offered to him last year versus what maybe he might be looking for. They write, in early September, Jones declined a two-year fully guaranteed extension with the Chiefs worth $54.5 million, which would have paid him an a- annual average salary of seventy or $27.5 million in 24 and 25. Chris Jones is likely, and there's an understanding between him and the Chiefs that have become more clear, The Chiefs will likely have to offer, this is from The Athletic, the Chiefs will likely have to offer a contract that's more lucrative than what the Pittsburgh Steelers gave outside linebacker T.J. Watt in 2021. A four-year, $112 million extension with $80 million in guaranteed money. So you're looking at $20 million per year, essentially, in guaranteed money, and $28 million per year in annual average value. They'll likely have to offer a contract that's more lucrative than that. For Jones to agree to continue his career with the franchise that selected him with the 2016 second round pick. This is 
where the growing optimism may be there, but it doesn't necessarily mean that something is going to get done. I love that there's growing optimism there. But Jones wants a contract that will pay him an annual average salary of $30 million. Again, from the report from Diana Rossini and Nate Taylor from The Athletic. I don't believe the Chiefs are going to offer him more than what they offered him last year. If they were willing to offer him two years and $27.5 million per year for 54 and a half, two years, um, you know, $55 million, if they were willing to offer him that last year, it's been another full year of football that he's played. He's a year older. He had fewer sacks this year, one fewer game. Why then do you increase that to get to the point of what he wanted last year? Now, is it that the salary cap increased, there's more money, okay, we're more willing to do that. We couldn't do it a year ago. We didn't know what the salary cap was going to look like in 2024. We thought it was going to be somewhere around 245 250 Now we know it's $255 million. All right, we'll offer you more money. We'll get to your asking price of $30 million per year. But, but I mean, that's $2.5 million more per year than what the Chiefs offered last year which resulted in him missing training camp and missing a game. Now they're going to go up to $30 million per year? I mean, there's growing optimism, but ultimately, as I've said this week, and I'll continue to say, the ball is going to be in Chris Jones' court. Does he want a return or not? Because a team out there will give him a massive deal. They will pay him not as much as Nick Bosa and his $34 million per year, I don't think he's going to get Aaron Donald money on the open market. But they'll pay him the $30 million. Somebody will. He won't be playing for a team trying to three-peat. If the Chiefs offer him that, then he'd be a fool not to take it. If the Chiefs were willing to go there, he already would have signed. I'd be floored if the contract is released that when if they get something done with Chris Jones and we find out the details of that contract and it's like 30 million dollars per year I'd be shocked if that was the case so he can be seeking that i think he'll get that on the open market but what is he seeking that's the real question is he seeking to return to the chiefs or is he seeking the most money those things are not mutually exclusive Or are mutually exclusive, I guess. It's one or the other. The best contract he's going to get on the open market is somewhere else. Returning to the Chiefs is going to be less money. But it's returning to the Chiefs. What do you want more? If the Chiefs are offering you $28 million per year, and you get to return to the Chiefs in the next two, three years, whatever it is, or a team is going to offer you $30 million per year, and you go play for the Bears or the Panthers, What's a better choice? I am not in Chris Jones' shoes. Go and get whatever money is available to you. He certainly earned it. I'd love to see him return to the Chiefs. I'd love to see him return to the Chiefs more on their terms rather than giving in to Chris Jones. There are a few Legereus Sneed nuggets that I want to talk about that came from this and other reports there at the Combine. We'll get into that. Also, the NFL is looking to implement new technology that they have been using already. 
the NFL tracking technology, which is not going to be ready for the 2024 season, but they used it in Super Bowl 58, not officially, used it to see if it would work. Games in the with the New York Jets, games with the Miami Dolphins, four preseason games this year, they have used this tracking technology, which helps them with the line to gain, gives them a more precise measurement of where the person was actually down, lining up knee and uh, the tracking technology of where the ball was exactly, goal line, sideline, in line, those are things that can be looked at. They're also talking about a Skeletrack system, which can track the football in real time, uh, can help you with uh, forward passes, backward passes, quarterbacks in and out of the pocket with intentional grounding, and some other things as well. This is technology we've been talking about, asking for, that there's just random, arbitrary, uh, a guy is tackled, and the side judge is running up the field and then sort of turns in, somewhere near where the guy got tackled. I mean, we used two chains with, you know, not the rapper, but the, you know, we used chain gangs basically to set up first downs. Like we still use the same technology or lack thereof that the game started with. I mean, you can have one person over there holding a stick where the uh, line of scrimmage is. And then all you need is that, um, a stick on the other end and the uh, orange sideline. So players know what they're running to. They need sort of that indication because, you know, uh, the yellow line is not official. They can't see the yellow line in the line to gain. I've I've uh, I've been told that a few times, um, but you need those things. But you don't have to come out and then measure. You've got precise, accurate NFL tracking technology that will place the ball at the exact spot, and they'll know was that the line to gain? Was that exactly ten yards? Was it nine point eight? <laughs> Although we'll never have the Gene Steratore note card anymore, which I mean, is all un- time. I it's mean, unfortunate. It, it that is, is unfortunate. Yeah, we we just for old time's sake. Right. See if we can bring that back. They're also looking at a few other things. The tush push doesn't seem that there's any momentum for that. The fumbling through the end zone, uh, redoing that uh, rule doesn't look like there's any momentum towards that. But there is a decent chance that the kickoff rule might be changed yet again. Because remember, the fair catch rule was only a one-year deal. They had to come back the next year and re-vote on it if they wanted to keep that. It was a one-year trial balloon that they put out there. They may go to the XFL rule. They may do something else. We'll see. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back. Legereus Need. We'll discuss that, some of the reports from the Combine, and what that may mean for the Chiefs as they look at the two biggest questions on Tuesday. Chris Jones is going to be allowed to start negotiating with other teams. The time... The clock is ticking on the Chiefs getting something done with him, which can also start to be ticking with Legereus Need as well. More zone next. All right, we continue right here on Sports Radio 810 WHB 913-9124-810. Tech says, what happened to Josh? I was out of town this week, so I think I missed something. No, no, didn't miss anything. I mean, he's not on the show anymore, but you didn't miss anything. All right. Uh, no, Josh has um, he's left the show. He's gone, Briscoe. He um, is, I, I, I mean, he's going to travel. He's um, he's going to podcast. See the world now. Yeah, I guess see the world. I mean, uh, midlife, to, midlife crisis already, maybe? Go to Europe again as well. <laughs> go see the world. It's been uh, almost a year since he's been, since he spent three weeks in Europe. Uh, uh, no, uh, he is, uh, he's uh, getting out of radio. He's still going to be doing the podcast stuff and um, running the uh, the website uh, that he runs and things like that. But um, but yeah, so that's uh, that is the update for um, Josh. And other people have asked if Corey is uh, going to come back, and no, Corey is selfish. He's a jerk. Uh, he's staying in Utah apparently. <laughs> what an ah! Oh no, uh, our family's happy here. <sighs> like we care about your happiness. 
Come on. The people need it. All right, nine one three nine one two four eight ten is the text line. Matt Derrick will join us at eleven o'clock. Chiefs Digest and forty one is the Mike podcast. Ari Timken coming up at noon. So a uh, a report is out of uh, the, uh, the the combine in Indianapolis talking about Legereus Need, and we heard from Diana Rossini and Nate Taylor in the Athletic Report of there have been six teams that have shown interest in Legereus Need. The Chiefs are looking for at least a second round pick to trade Legereus Need, And while looking for that second-round pick, there has to be a team that's interested, obviously. Uh, a team name that came up and has come up a couple of times is the Atlanta Falcons. And the reason I bring that team up is just as sort of a, an exercise of what the Chiefs' options could be with and without Legereus Need. With Legereus Need, we know what the options are. They pick 32, they pick 64. And they pay Legereus Need a lot of money. But they get one of the best cornerbacks in the league and the best cornerback tandem in the league with Snead and McDuffie. I think they'll get something done with Chris Jones. So they move forward with almost, um, with the two of the three, I don't care how you rank them, two of the three biggest impactful players on the defense for the Chiefs. Because McDuffie's still under contract. So they'd be able to move forward there. That, that's option one, or at least one of the options that's, uh, that's there, as it relates specifically to Legereus Sneed. The other option would be officially putting the franchise tag on Legereus Sneed and then trading him for what they hope would be at least a second-round pick. Now, we talked with Craig Stout yesterday, and he has the, uh, the really interesting story, um, and he put a piece together about the history and the precedent of looking at cornerbacks in the past that have been traded straight up for draft picks. What did those cornerbacks bring back in that market? And only twice did a cornerback bring back at least a first-rounder. It was Darrell Rivas in 2011, and it was Jalen Ramsey in 2019 when um, he was 25 years old and at the top of his game. And he brought back two first-rounders, by the way. Darrell Reeves brought back one first rounder, but he was also 29 years old, I think, at that time. Was that when Les Snead was uh, bleeping the picks, basically? Saying, <laughs> Pretty much. We're, we're yes. done with these. We'll just send anybody a we'll first give you round two draft first pick. rounders for a cornerback. If only the Rams had more first round draft picks to give away, they would definitely trade for Legereus Snead. And so, it would be great. It was Legereus and Les. And they somehow still get Puka Nakua in the fourth. <laughs> no kidding, man. No kidding. Um, but they're looking for a second round pick. Okay, great. I hope they. I hope somebody offers that. At least giving them the opportunity of if we don't sign Legereus Need, hey, we can then go and trade him for this second round pick to this particular team. I bring up the Atlanta Falcons because it's an interesting one. It's pick number forty three in the second round. If that is a team uh, that would be willing to give up the second round pick, and so then the the thought exercise would come up in. The, the best way to go and, um, and, and, and build the team and put the roster together. Would it be to draft 32, 43, and 64? Get three pretty good players? Heck, you could even trade back from 32. You know, if, if there's somebody that wants to trade up. 35, 43, and 64 and throw in a, another third rounder. Now you're collecting picks. You don't have luxurious need, but you're collecting more picks. And they've been pretty good in the second round. Um, if somebody offers a first rounder, then uh, hot damn. Go and do that. Look, if somebody offers them a first-rounder for Legere Snead, I think it'd be hard for them to, to 
not accept that and then still work out a contract with Legereus Sneed. But second rounder, work with that. The trade value chart is fascinating because pick number 32 and pick number 43. You get a couple of pretty good players. But you would now have the option, more likely scenario, of having the ability to move up. A more likely scenario of moving up in the first round if you've got pick number 32 and 43. It's much more likely to be able to do that. And and 43 is just a general number because the Atlanta Falcons have been mentioned a couple of times. And they hold pick number 43. Maybe they aren't willing to, to trade that one and they want to use a third rounder. Whatever. We, we, we can get into that uh, as, as things uh, progress. But with the number of wide receivers that are out there in the uh, in the draft and the number of offensive tackles that are out there in the draft. If the Chiefs are looking to solidify one of those spots, this is a strong tackle market, a strong tackle draft, draft class. Pick number 32 and 43, you could trade up to number 15. You can get as high as number 15 if you want to, to go and take, you know, the, the maybe the fourth, maybe the third, depending on how everything shakes out. But one of those draft picks. Now, if you took the 32nd and 64th pick, you could move up to, you know, 20 or so. You can move right, you can move right around to 19 or 20. You can move up 12 spots if you took uh, 32 and 64, if you're looking at the trade value chart. And then you'd have a first-round pick better than what you would have at number 32, and then essentially the number 43 pick if it was Atlanta that decided that they wanted to go and get Legereus Sneed. If that's the case, I'm not looking at wide receiver, if that's the case. I'm looking at tackle. What are you looking at, uh, Dylan? Because you were like, yes, yes. Darius Robinson. He, I mean, he, uh, if, he's not going to be there at 32. He's, he's not, not. Yeah, I don't think he is either. But that might be one to where it's like, okay, he's still there at 24. Maybe, and it might take less. That was my yeah. point is like you may not have to trade so much to get him. Mm-hmm. I was thinking 28 is like the probably the probably. Yeah, won't make it pass, but probably. I, I mean, I would love Darius Robinson on this team Me because too. they have to address the defensive line. But the way that I would look at it is, I, I, again, I'm under the assumption that they'll get something done with Chris Jones. Okay, that Things would change if they don't get something done with Chris Jones. I would love Roma Dunze on this team, right? And there's a lot of different wide Love Marvin Harrison Jr., right? Love Mike Evans. Love uh, Michael Pittman, T. Higgins. A lot of uh, wide receivers you'd love on this team, right? Name a top-level wide receiver. Justin Jefferson. Great. Done. Um, but if I'm thinking the next four or five years... If I take a second-round wide receiver or go and work in the free agent market to help out that spot, as opposed to a Donovan Smith, a Wanya Morris trying to figure out the tackle spot, there may be seven or eight offensive tackles taken in the first round late April. It's, it's draft season, so that may change. But there may be seven or eight tackles that are taken in the first round come late April. And if that happens, can you trade up and get one of the – Top four tackles in the draft. And if you do, now you've solidified that spot because they have shown that they're willing to spend money on the tackle position because what you would do is you've got three years left of Jawan Taylor. 
you'd be paying your left tackle for the next three years. That's a rookie, and the and a lot of money going to Jawan Taylor. And then you walk on Taylor, and you take that money that you're spending on that tackle and use it on your first-round draft pick left tackle, assuming you hit on him, which hopefully you do. That'd be a pretty big miss, and that's how you set your franchise back, is if you trade Legereus Need and then move up in the draft and get a guy that's not good enough. So you would be trading the number 30. You'd, just be, you'd be trading Legereus Need for a, a better pick, for a better player. As opposed to who would be there at number 32, you'd be trading the number 32 pick who you would get. Maybe that's, let's, let's say, Darius Robinson. Let, let's, uh, let, let's say, um, you know, uh, um, Jalen Polk. Just throwing a name out there of, of late first round. I think he'll be there in the second round, but late first round. Like that type of wide receiver that could be there. Or Chop Robinson and, you know, some defensive ends, some edge rushers that are, that are talked about that could be there. You'd be trading that and Snead for the offensive tackle. The question is, is that worth it? But you would also be trading away the $20 million cap hit that LeJarius Snead would offer. So you can then go and fill in some other spots. My point being is if there's one thing that I would want the Chiefs to solidify in the draft for the next four or five years or beyond, to me it would be tackle. It would be the left side, it would be the left tackle, and you'd continue to protect Patrick Mahomes. You wouldn't have to spend all that money. You'd still have Creed and Trey. Um, you can look at the money you can uh, spend on them. Joe Tooney eventually, you know, hitting free agency and not paying him that much money. And Jawan Taylor in three years coming off that contract. And again, you could take that contract, you're paying Jawan Taylor, and then slide that over to whoever your left tackle is. Sounds overly simplistic. I get it. As opposed to wide receiver. And the reason I say that is there's so many wide receivers coming into the league. So many wide receivers coming into the league. And yeah, you might be able to get a stud up there at number 15 as opposed to a really good wide receiver at 32 or 43 or uh, 64 or whatever. I don't know what Jamar Chase is going to get on the open market. We'll see what T. Higgins gets being franchise tagged. We'll see what Michael Pittman gets, what Mike Evans gets. Guys like that. We'll see what they will go for. But Justin Jefferson, I mean, I don't know if you guys saw the uh, the GM for the Vikings who said that Justin Jefferson is the best non-quarterback in the NFL. And he should be paid like that. <laughs> Nick Bosa is the most expensive non-quarterback in the NFL at $34 million per year. And 122 practical guaranteed dollars. Are the Vikings going to pay Justin Jefferson $35 million per year? I mean, a couple of years ago, before Christian Kirk got $20 million from the Jags, a couple of years ago, we were talking about $25 million for a wide receiver. And then Devontae Adams got his contract. And then Tyreek Hill got the $30 million from the Dolphins. Now, a couple of years later, we might see Justin Jefferson sign this offseason for thirty-five. million million dollars per year and I don't think anybody would doubt that he's worth it okay he's an absolute stud it's just poor cap management it would seem I mean a a third of a hundred million dollars for uh, for a wide receiver who's awesome but again there are three or four wide receivers sometimes with three or four uh, skill players on the field at one time 
We saw that the Chiefs were able to win a Super Bowl without a stud wide receiver. It is not ideal because they had Travis Kelsey and they had a good Rasheed Rice. And Travis Kelsey, at some point in his career, is not going to be playing football. And the Chiefs are going to have to figure out what to do after Travis Kelsey. So maybe that is they start to address it right now. But and and maybe the uh, maybe the strategy is well if wide receivers are going for that much money well then wouldn't you want to sp- uh, spend a high draft pick to get a stud and not have to pay him thirty five million dollars? I could I could totally understand that. I'd be more in the market of having three or four really good wide receivers or tight end and continuing to replenish that while making sure my tackle positions and the offensive line is set because I feel pretty good about Rasheed Rice. But I think a lot of people would want to trade up and not take a tackle. And if there's a spot that I would love for the Chiefs to solidify this offseason, to me, if, if you're talking about a, a, a top 15 draft pick, to me it would be the left tackle. Some people may look at edge. I still have hopes for what FAU can look like and what he can be. And at least they have a starting point of Rasheed Rice and Travis Kelsey when they head into the offseason this year. But that would also require with this thought exercise of them trading Legereus Need for a second-round pick. They may not get a second-round pick for Legereus Need. They may have to settle for a third. And if you settle for a third, then you may just simply go in and go, well, I mean, do we get a third-round pick? Do we have him play under the franchise tag one year? And then he walks in free agency, and we eventually get a third-round compensatory pick for him? If he signs a huge contract, maybe that's a strategy. But you would probably want more than what you think you could get for a compensation pick for Legereus Need in the open market. And I think that's why they're looking for at least a second rounder. And this is not a position where the Chiefs are in that they can't sign Legereus Need, that it's a, guys, you're screwed. We know you can't sign Legereus Need. We're not going to give you the second rounder. We'll give you a third rounder. We know that that's not going to happen. They can sign Legereus Need. They can sign Chris Jones. They can sign both of them because Patrick Mahomes has given the, the flexibility post-draft to be able to shave off 30-something million dollars on the salary cap this year. So we'll see what happens with that. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back. We'll continue more zone right after this. All right, we'll talk with Matt Derrick coming up at 11 o'clock, 913-912-4810. Tech says, um, any free agent left tackles on the radar? If there's a guy out there for a, you know, you let Donovan Smith walk and it's not paying an extraordinary, it's not Trent Williams, right, or Jawan Taylor from a year ago, uh, Tyron Smith for the Cowboys, from the Cowboys, he's an unrestricted free agent. The um, market value on him is uh, one year, $10 million. It's not the Donovan Smith, two or $3 million, but Tyron Smith is better than Donovan Smith. Yeah, that's the one for me. Yeah. That, that's probably the only one. Yeah, if, if you're going to go like, like a, a Trent Brown's out there, um, no. Um, he's more of a right tackle. Yeah, Mekhi Becton's out there, and he's played multiple positions on the line. When healthy, he has been as massive as his size. That's how massive his injuries have been throughout his career. Not in terms of level of injury, but just how often. Like Jonah Williams, like these are the guys on the left tackle or the tackle market. That you're shopping in. And remember, the Bengals choose, chose Orlando Brown over Jonah Williams. And they moved him to the right side. So, not exactly the market you want to be shopping in there. But Tyron Smith, if there's a guy out there that you go, all right, you're sitting at number 32, you can't move up to get one of these studs, then you take Tyron Smith, you take a wide receiver, maybe even a, a, a trade back. That would be um, 
that'd be uh, something to, to look at. Tech says, uh, you move Taylor to left tackle, Morris right tackle, and you're done. I mean, last year at this time, well, not at this time, but last year, a couple of weeks from now, that's what we thought was going to happen. Not necessarily Wanya Morris, but Jawan Taylor at the left side and um, Lucas Niang at the right. Tech says, I'll take Wanya Morris out of all of them. The thing about Wanya Morris is it does give them at least the potential of saying if they don't get something done, if they get to a max with different value on these tackles, that they've got somebody that played last year. They know the strengths and weaknesses. He also knows strengths and weaknesses, things like that. Um, Texas assume top uh, three offensive tackles are gone, but Bowers from Georgia is there at 15. Do you? Yes. <laughs> yes. I don't think they're... I don't think there's any chance Brock Bowers falls out of the top 10. I would be shocked if he gets past the Chargers at five. Um, so I, I think that's probably the I think you'd have to jump up to four to get Brock Bowers. Uh, yeah, I would love for that guy. If he was there at 15, then go ahead and trade whatever, whatever you 32, 64, whatever, because now you've got your replacement moving forward for one Travis Kelsey. Um Tech says there's plenty of talent in the draft to get. Uh, tackle in the draft with your plan makes sense for the future. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it could be. Uh, Tech says it's a money thing. Another text came in. It's a money thing with Wanya Morris. Yeah, absolutely. Look, if, if you look at Wanya Morris and you think he can do 80% of the job of Tyron Smith for 30% of the money, 20, 10% of the money, then yeah. Can you get that? Because you got a half a billion dollars invested in Patrick Mahomes and you don't want to have him running for his life. And also, you know, what are you doing at the wide receiver spot? And maybe that's where, all right, you spent money on a wide receiver. You spent uh, a draft pick, et cetera, on uh, different spots, but not a tackle. Okay, Wanya Morris is out there. Maybe Wanya Morris is right tackle and Jawan Taylor's at the left tackle. Tech says, uh, trade Legereus Need to Atlanta for Kyle Pitts. Straight up. Problem solved. All right, Legereus Need to Atlanta, fourth rounder, and Kyle Pitts. <laughs> Who says no? It's like the, uh, the when people are like, would you trade number 32 pick, the Chiefs third rounder, and MVS for Justin Jefferson? Would you do that? Who says no? Who says no? I did enjoy that, you know, for two days, the including MVS and trades for a wide receiver were, were being floated out there. <laughs> then, he, then, they, then he gets cut and like, so you're not going to trade him to the Vikings for Justin Jefferson. All right, back to the drawing board. Would you trade number 32 pick, third rounder, fifth rounder, and Sky Moore for Justin Jefferson? Who says no? Who says no? <laughs> Every GM not named Brett Veach. Brett Veach might even say no, just as the point of I'm not going to make that call. No. Right, precedent, yeah. <laughs> so I'm not calling them. Yeah, Justin Jefferson available? What's your price? Let's just say the sky's the limit for us and you. Click. <laughs> no, I didn't mean Sky Moore. I don't care. I don't even want you to go down that road. I've already hung up. We'll give you Sneed for Justin Jefferson straight up. Who says no? Come on. Come on. Who's the, you're going to save like $15 million per year on Legereus Sneed. He's a stud shut down corner. Come on. You don't need Jefferson right now. You don't even have a quarterback right now. Who's going to throw Jefferson? Justin Jefferson can't throw it and catch it, too, you know? You replace Stephon Diggs with him. I mean, you can do it again. Absolutely. you got Jordan Addison. That's right. You've got Ad you already got Addison. Come on. Still, somebody needs to throw him the football as well. 
But maybe, see, now you can trade Legereus Sneed. <laughs> like, well, why didn't we, wouldn't we just trade Justin Jefferson? Ah, details. Details, you idiot. Come on, this is fantasy football we're playing in. Let's go. Uh, Tech says, uh, who's the guy with the smooth voice? He must be new. Josh never let anyone get a word in edgewise. I like this new fella from a fellow Jason. Must be you, Dylan. That's really nice. Yeah. That's exactly right. Got that smooth Dylan voice. Got a smooth voice from D. Sneed Tony uh, for Jefferson and a sixth rounder. That's what I'm talking about. There you go. Now we're now we're we're getting into something realistic. Legarius <laughs> Sneed, Kadarius Tony, and a sixth rounder. You got Trey Smith in the sixth round. Come on. Nine one three nine one two four eight ten. I want more of those texts. I want the worst. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, in the free agent rankings, Donovan Smith is listed there as well. That's also a possibility of bringing Donovan Smith back one year, two and a half million dollars, and you go into this year with your same tackles as last year. Smith and Taylor, with Wanya Morris being a guy that could play left side, and Lucas Niang. Find a left Wasn't tackle right? late in the draft and develop yeah. him. Yeah, or, or maybe, you're, maybe you bring back Donovan Smith and you take a left tackle at pick number 32. And Donovan Smith plays. You got Wanya Morris, and then that guy is ready to step in maybe midseason or maybe at the end of the year, in the next year. And you got, you know, four more years with that guy with the fifth-year option. Uh, who knows? It's, it's certainly a position they have to address. And it goes into the money you're spending on Chris Jones and Legereus Sneed. Because despite what Mick Schaefer says, eventually you will run out of money in cap space. Matt Derrick next.